0: You know, there's something about running a show like The Laps. Because I get both experienced writers and people who've never thought to share their story, it's the notion that everyone has a story, but not everyone knows how to share it necessarily. I try to take those stories, those stories that would never have been shared, and frame them here for you in a way that demonstrates just how compelling the average person can be, if only you stop to ask them. So I'm asking you. If you like this show, if you feel like it's something that you can't find anywhere else, The Lapse is about as independent as it gets. I truly rely on the support I get from you guys on a day-to-day basis. For a small donation, there are five exclusive sodes totaling half an hour from a number of our storytellers we've had in the past, as well as a full-length story of my own that's 20 minutes. It's a full-length episode. There's that and more every month, and there's even a documentary being shot uh, about how The Lapse sort of creates something from nothing, and that's going up when we hit our next goal. If this show has moved you, meant something to you, you can join me in being a part of what I do at patreon.com the lapse. It helps more than you know. With that said, hey everybody, welcome to The Lapse Storytelling Podcast, where we tell true stories gussied up. I'm your host, Kyle Jest, and today is perhaps a perfect example of somebody who is not an experienced storyteller, but nonetheless had a really fabulous story to share. Her name is Sarah, and she has asked me not to use her last name because, well, for a very outgoing kind of lady, she is a bit shy about putting this story out there. But sharing a story she's not quite sure how to tell is exactly what I do here at The Laps. So, here's the story of one of Sarah's first loves about the wild links that young love will go to find somebody, even if he doesn't know you exist. I'm calling this one my so-called fiance. Here it comes. This is The Lapse. The early 90s, living abroad in San Miguel, Mexico, Sarah's working a gig as a DJ. As for her heart, well, that remains firmly in the 80s.
1: You wouldn't know it by looking at me, but I'm like the worst romantic and it's embarrassing. Like the movies where the girl was like wicked ugly and then she like takes her glasses off and she's like, beautiful.
0: There's this one guy she knows who just won't speak to her, Patricio. And she is so attracted to him.
1: I could not stop looking at him because he was so pretty.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Hey, hey, can you hear me? Totally ignoring me, that's really hot. Hello? It was like I didn't even say anything. It was like an 80s movie, like I did not even exist just, bloop, turned away.
0: One night, Patricio's on the dance floor, and Sarah's just discovered this one song. It's all she can listen to. She cues it up, steps out of the DJ booth. And suddenly, as if compelled by the soundtrack of the 80s, Patricio turns to face Sarah.
1: Lock's eyes with me, walking straight at me, like with that song playing.
0: Pushing past other dancers, Patricio walks a straight line towards Sarah. This is it. He's finally noticed her.
1: This is my moment.
0: He's going to embrace her, they're going to kiss, and they're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend forever until the end of time. Just as Patricio is within arm's reach, he taps into me and like
1: passes me and like starts making out with a girl right behind me. Just immediately started making out and I was like, oh, walk right by me.
0: If that's not slick enough, Patricio helps himself to a bottle of tequila from behind the bar. Takes a swig, slams it down. But no matter how smooth you are, stealing from the bar is still stealing from the bar. Sarah actually hangs with the same group of friends as Patricio. Collectively, they're trying to figure out how to make bail for him. Because sure, yeah, they're kind of bad boy types, but they're not Mexican jail bad.
1: It was bad boy, but they still called their moms. Nothing good happens in Mexican jail. Like, I mean, maybe something good happens, but I can't imagine.
0: For Sarah, this is a chance to get in Patricio's good books. She's got some money, the exchange rate's not bad, and heck, what's a few thousand pesos? But within the group, one boy, and I do mean boy, shakes his head. Forrest.
1: He was this 14-year-old kid that was American, living with his mom and his younger brother. This kid was already kind of weird. I think his mom had kidnapped him and his younger brother.
0: Put another way, Forrest seems to know a lot about jail. Listen up, he says. We can use Sarah's money, but it won't be simple.
1: We need a way to get him out quickly because it doesn't happen quickly and you can't bring all the money and you can't put all the money on your person. And if you do put it on your person, you have to hide it in places because they're going to take all your clothes off.
0: Wait, 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 says Sarah. So I have to smuggle in money for a bribe to get him out faster on top of the regular bail? Yeah, says Forrest. You got it. And uh, you're going to have to be his fiance. We'll say the wedding's like two days away and uh, far, like Guadalajara.
1: We had to get on like a bus or a plane or something and go to Guadalajara because our wedding was already like paid for and, you know, we were engaged. And the guards would love that because like it was a love story. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure the guards will really love a love story now that I think about it. Like, oh, how romantic.
0: And like that... The six of them are off to rescue Patricio. Garbed in the fanciest dress she could find, Sarah adjusts the wad of pesos hidden in her bra. Geez, these roads are
1: dusty. Oh my God, I think I had like $3,000. This long dress, which was like not really that appropriate for hiding money on your body. Like I was prepared to pay like all my money to get this dude out of jail. We were walking and some guy in a pickup truck pulled up and Forrest spoke to them, he spoke Spanish because he had been you know, kidnapped and living there forever.
0: Some words are exchanged, the odd gesture, and then all six kids get a ride in the back of this pickup truck. As Sarah sees the prison approaching, her anxiety begins to creep in. She doesn't speak Spanish. Two of the kids coming in with her to the jail are 14, and Patricio has no idea what the plan is. What is she doing?
1: This is too late for me to fucking do anything. I can't. I'm gonna look really fucking crazy to Patricio and he's going to be so fucking confused. Like, what if he's like, I don't have a fucking fiancé?
0: The reality of Patricio's prison is just that. This is no small-town police station, no cozy holding cell, no middle ground. This is a prison. Forrest interprets the situation on Sarah's behalf. Something-something Guadalajara, a couple looks back in her direction. The guard nods and points her over to the inspection area. Hey, whispers Sarah. What if they ask me to take my underwear off? Can they do that? Forrest looks her coolly. You'll be fine. Just hurry up before you make him suspicious.
1: You're not answering my question. Like, can you ask them, like, what they're going to touch on me? He's like, you You don't want to ask them that. that." You know, I was like, let's see this, like, 14-year-old boy, like, just, like, sending me through, like, the Mexican jail system. Like, who knows? I could have been getting arrested. Like, I had no idea what they were saying.
0: So, Sarah proceeds to be patted down.
1: I have boobs, so luckily I have that, so I put the money under my boobs. Paper pesos, not coins. They patted me down, they definitely patted me. And then they brought me in to see my fiance. I walked in and I looked right at him and he looked right at me, it was actually me. (laughs) He got up, hugged me, Hey, Sarah. I'm so happy to see you. Oh my God, like he knows my name. Even though we are speaking in English, like he was smart enough to sort of acknowledge the fact that what I had just done was fucking crazy. And like, you're pretty fucking awesome. This is awesome. This is going to be a great wedding.
0: Sarah excuses herself to the bathroom, pulls out a very sweaty wad of dough and pays whatever the officer asks for. And that...
1: That was our first date. And then we moved in together. We were just inseparable. I don't think we even talked about it. It was just like, he's just here. Maybe he didn't have anywhere else to live. I don't know.
0: All in all, things are pretty swell. Time ticks by, and soon Patricio plans to visit his family in Tijuana. Great, says Sarah. I can take some time off. When do you think we should go? But Patricio shakes his head. She can't go. What do you mean she can't go? He's silent for a moment, this kind of pained look on his face. And then he says it. He has a kid.
1: He had a five-year-old daughter, and he was 20 years old. He was 15. He was a total fuck-up at the time, and he wasn't allowed to see her.
0: His daughter lives with his ex in Tijuana. Recently, he's been allowed to see her again. Patricio?
1: You should not be here. And he's like, but you're here.
0: Sarah hesitates.
1: But you should not be here if you have a daughter up there. That makes me really uncomfortable to be here with you and keeping you here when you have somebody up there. I will move to Tijuana with you if, if that means you'll be closer to her.
0: He says, okay. Thing is, Sarah doesn't know the first thing about Tijuana. Sure, the streets are full of mangy, bloody, feral dogs, and the place they're staying in has had its toilet smashed with a sledgehammer, but at least she has been told.
1: In Tijuana, they have guacamole and the tacos. And I was like, that sounds nice.
0: After two weeks of peeing in a hole, Patricio is ready for Sarah to meet Ma. Sarah waits outside. Mama is not expecting her. There's a bit of a commotion, maybe some raised voices. Patricio pops back out.
1: You have to sleep in my old room. We can't sleep in the same room. And he just like went into his mom's room and and slept in her room.
0: With zero introduction to mama, Sarah spends that night alone in Patricio's childhood bedroom. The next morning, she puts on her friendliest introduction voice. Super friendly.
1: Hi, nice to meet you.
0: Sarah extends a hand in greeting. Mama only extends her frown.
1: She was like, get the fuck out. She had the idea that he was going to eventually reunite with the mother of the baby, which wasn't going to happen in Patricio's mind at all.
0: If she can't get along with mom, she'd at least like to meet Patricio's daughter. Now, she's rebuffed by Patricio himself.
1: I can't have them know about you. I even bought her presents for him. I was like, you can give these to her from you. You can give these to her and say they're from you. I just, you know, I just, it was it was a bit devastating for me because in my mind, I, was, I wanted to like help him be a better father to her or father at all. He wasn't so, you know, 80s godlike to me anymore. I actually called my parents and I was like, I'm gonna come home.
0: Patricio spends some time living with Sarah in Boston, but that doesn't work so well either. It's cold, he doesn't know anyone there, and psh, the limes are way too expensive. A few too many fights later, Sarah's in San Diego, Patricio's in Tijuana. They meet occasionally over the border, but things feel a little strained. This time, she's waiting at the usual place, small group of children trying to sell her chiclets, and she waits, and waits for three hours.
1: I tried to call him at his mom's house, and uh, he wasn't there. It was the first time he'd ever not shown up.
0: The first time, but not the
1: last. I called my friend Gabe, who is his friend, too. That was it, completely. Where the hell is that dude that like took up so much of my, you know, my youth? Jail was number one where I thought he would be. He wanted to be a potter. I remember that really well. I was like, I just want to make pottery in the desert. I was like, I've never seen you touch anything and make anything. And he's like, I don't know. It just seems like a good thing. He must be like managing a hotel on a beach somewhere. Or, like he, he is a potter, like still has all of his dreadlocks. There's always that wonder of what happened to them, you know, before Facebook. So I couldn't like see what was happening.
0: In today's modern age, Facebook does exist.
1: He like owns a bunch of ice cream chains in Tijuana. He owns an ice cream shop. And he's like, all nice. Sending me hugs, like emoji hugs. And I'm like, what is happening? We're like middle-aged people, I guess. We're not kids. He's not like 20, you know, he's like an old man. And he had another, he ended up getting married and having another kid. When you go back to your hometown, if you don't live in your hometown and you hang out with people that you hung out with when you were like in high school, like people don't let you change. You expect them to even look the same, you know? So when I see people I haven't seen in like 20 years, I'm like, whoa, you look a little 20 years older. And I don't know why I'm surprised by it. I'm sure that I look 20 years older too, but it's like kind of weird and like devastating in a way. I really want to know what he thought I would be. What if it's like really terrible? (laughs)
0: That story, again, was shared by Sarah. Last name omitted. Thank you so much to Sarah and her sister, Mara, which, by the way, I love saying your names. It's like reading a Dr. Seuss book. (laughs) For making this one happen, uh, you guys are great. Thank you so much to Jesse Brennan for the interview transcriptions. And I have to say, for all the submissions we get, thank you to everyone who has the courage to share a story with me when they're not so certain that they have one. If you'd like to share something, you can find me at storiesatthelabs.org, And now, I promised a couple of raffle winners on Patreon to record something, whenever they like, on the air as a thank you for supporting my show. One of those winners is actually Wichita Sims, who you might remember as the woman with the botched brain tumor removal from episode seven's A Few Loose Screws. This is a short piece of flash fiction that she says up front is kind of weird, and it is called How to Ride a 38 Bus. Here goes. How to Ride a 38 Bus. Number one, first off, don't even think about getting on the 38. Board the 38L Express. You'll get there faster and riders have less time to screw with your head. Number two. Wait, 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 wait some more. Light a cigarette to bring the 38L. Number three. When the bus door swings open, let the goons departing the bus get off first. Not just one or two. All of them. Number four. Stub the cigarette out on the bottom of your heel. Put the butt in your pocket. Number five board the bus. Do not look at the driver. She is the spawn of the devil and will possess your soul if you make eye contact. Number six, scan your fare card. Stand as far back away from the scanner as possible to avoid testicular cancer. Number seven, do not sit in the handicap seats. If you do, the old guy riding the red scooter will ask the driver to put you off the bus when he boards. Number eight, slap that McDonald's bag off the seat and sit down. Number nine, Forget about the fight in the back of the bus. The driver will pull over and refuse to go further until the brawl stops. Worst case scenario, show radio the popo for help. Number 10, do not stare at the dude with two heads at the front of the bus. If you do, one of the heads will turn around, see you staring, tell the other head, and then both of them will scream like banshees at you, so just don't do it. Number 11, look out the window at the same old shit you see every day. Scarred cabs, dilapidated buildings, horseless cowboys. VJ's samosa cart blinking pink neon. Number twelve, right before your stop, give your seat to the crone with the garbage bag full of flattened Miller Lite cans. Number thirteen, off board. Number fourteen, pull the cigarette butt from your pocket, relight it. Number fifteen, watch the 38L pull away from the curb. And that was Wichita's story. Hope that was worth it, Wichita. Thank you to Wichita and the rest of the Lapses supporters on Patreon. My name is Kyle Jest, and this was The Lapse. Thank you so much for listening.